This New America NYC event took place on August 9, 2017, and is titled Trans Youth, and features Tom, Rachel, and Max O'Brien, Nicole Bezorgmir, Hendrik Henzel, and Tim Clancy. Thank, thank you guys all for coming out tonight. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank the producers of the film, Nicole and Hendrik and the O'Brien family for participating in the film, but also coming out and uh, watching with us tonight and participating in the discussion. I'm Tim, I'm the showrunner of the HBO series. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of moderate some questions. We'll talk a little bit and then we'll open it up to the audience if you guys have questions uh, for the fine people up here. So uh, Nicole, uh, who's running away from me over there uh, <laughs> the, and going to Iraq tomorrow, um, thank you for being with us tonight. Happy to be here. Um, so we're about two-thirds of the way through a 30-episode season this year. This was literally the first story we started shooting of season five. Why was it so important to you that we shoot it and that it was literally the first thing you did this year? Yeah, so we started working on this season around April or May of last year. And it was in May when I think the whole debate around bathrooms really kicked off and there was a conversation that was started about trans rights on really a national level in such a visible way that had never happened before. And so it felt like this was a really important moment to start looking at these issues. And Hendrik and I were really curious about how the debate around bathrooms is impacting children in schools. And so we started talking to lots of families on the phone and through these conversations, we realized that, okay, bathrooms are one issue, and it's a really important issue, but there are actually a host of issues that these kids and their families are having to grapple with. And um, I have to say, especially from talking to kids like Max, I was just so impressed with how thoughtful they are about their experiences, with how reflective they are, how considerate they are. I don't remember being like that when I was their age, and I think it has a lot to do with constantly having to advocate for yourself and to educate the people around you, be that your relatives, extended relatives, your school. And uh, we felt like this is a really important piece to take some time with and to try and really get to know these incredible families that open their homes to us, to follow up with them over the course of several months, and that's something we have the luxury of doing if we start filming early on in the season. So it, uh, we're just really grateful to have had that opportunity. Mr. Hendrick, so I know a big thing in this film was what we wanted to do was kind of go beyond the headlines and uh, you know it's a human rights issue, so find, find the right humans to tell that story. Why don't you tell us uh, how you guys as a team you know, found the wonderful characters that we saw in the film? Well, one of the things that we thought about first was that we want to feature people who are in different phases of their transition. So we needed to figure out first, how do we get to these different people? And um, then we also needed to get um, the medical providers on board to let us film with these people. So first, 
we reached out to a lot of clinics who are specialized in trans healthcare and asked them about their research and about their work with uh, trans and gender fluid uh, kids um, just to learn for us and for ourselves um, what we should be looking for. And then we asked them directly if they could get us in touch with some of their patients, which is somewhat tricky because of privacy regulations. So usually what they did was they sent out a newsletter or hung out a bulletin in their hallway for their patients to see, and then they could reach out to us. Um, so we just provided our contact details. Another thing we did was we reached out to a lot of um, groups like PFLAG or um, the LGBT Center here in, um, in New York or other healthcare providers like Cal and Lord. And then usually it just goes mouth by mouth. They introduce us to others. And then Nicole and I just spend weeks on the phone talking to a lot of different people. And then it, it gets really hard to um, narrow down who you want to feature because you do want to show an overlap of various issues so you don't have to jump from character to character. For instance, with Kai, we were able to show a five-year-old transgender girl who is also struggling with the bathroom um, issue at school. So you have that in one beat. Um, and with Charlotte, we were also able to um, address the issue of homelessness and um, uh, LGBT people uh, getting kicked out from home at a higher number than others. And so it was good to create or find people who showed that overlap. So for the O'Briens, uh, Rachel and Tom, and young superstar Max, for you guys, uh, how terrifying was the prospect of allowing a camera crew into your home, as nice as Nicole and Hendrick are? It was actually interesting because uh, Max's doctor contacted us. So she emailed me and said, you know, I got you know, HBO contacted me, and would you guys ever possibly be interested in this? And I said, absolutely not, but I'll right talk to so. them. And I talked to Nicole on the phone, and I was like, I, she seems really nice. And we have friends who are like, no, they're, 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 they're going to, like, prank you or something. Like, don't trust them, don't trust them. And I was like, I don't know, she seems really nice. So it kind of just snowballed from there. But it was a little terrifying to have the cameras at the house, for sure. What about you, Max? You seem to open up pretty fast. It was terrifying? Was it terrifying? No, not for you? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that, that Max was ever against the idea of having his life filmed. <laughs> that was, <clears throat> and, and I don't know that we were either. It was specifically because it was about the transgender issue that, that kind of brought that into question. You know, it was a real, is this a story we want to we wanna put out there and, and tell people at this point? Well, so, I mean, we were just talking about how, um, you know, it's a human rights story and, you know, you kind of, we can read about it in headlines and it doesn't really do it justice and you kind of have to understand what the humans that are going through it to understand what, what it is. The climate a year ago when we started shooting is different than it is now. So, um, you know, President Obama becomes President Trump, Loretta Lynch, who was in the film, becomes Jeff Sessions. How have you guys... How has, has it changed in the last year? Definitely, and um, we sort of talked about it. You know, there was there was a little bit of reluctance when we when we were first approached, and we kind of had conversations. And Nicole really won us over, and we fell in love with her and everything. 
And then there was this giant change at the national level. And um, so we filmed around this time of year in August, and it came out in like February. And by the time February came around, it felt like an entirely different world and an entirely different country. And all of a sudden, it was so much more terrifying. You know, like, there was definitely a moment of like, no, we don't want to do this anymore. Forget it, you know, pull it back. So yeah, it was scary. Are there, we were talking uh, earlier about initiatives, both positive and negative that are going on even in your own community. Um, maybe you guys could talk about, because a, a big thing I'd say for us is that what we wanted to do was uh, make this story very much at the local level versus you know New York, San Francisco. Uh, so you were talking about an initiative in Massachusetts. So uh, last fall in Massachusetts we got a, um, the laws changed so that you cannot be kicked out of a public space for being transgender. If you get kicked out for being transgender, that's discriminatory. People get in trouble for that. Um, before that, you could go into any public space and people could decide to kick you out because you were trans and you just had to deal with it. So um, this was great. We were all super excited. It was so wonderful. And then an out-of-state group came in and they went to grocery stores and different places and they told people that they wanted to protect little children from predators that were going to come in their bathrooms and dress like men and uh, molest the kids. And they got enough signatures to get it put on the ballot. So in Massachusetts next year, 2018, the whole state is going to vote on whether or not transgender people are allowed to be in public spaces. That's the way we see it. The other side sees it completely as a bathroom bill. So it's, you know, we're coming at it from completely different places. But as far as I'm concerned, if you can kick somebody out of a place because they're transgender or they're whatever, it's a civil rights issue. It's not, it has nothing to do with whether or not you like somebody. That's, that shouldn't be the reason that you can kick somebody out of a place if you're not doing anything wrong. So we are kind of gearing up for that now. It's gonna be in the fall, I think in 2018, it's gonna be on the ballot and everyone gets to vote on it. So I've, uh, I've been involved with a, uh, an organization called Freedom for All America, and a local chapter, Freedom Massachusetts, um, working to, to it, they were working originally to get the law passed and now working to, to keep the law in effect. Um, I'm, uh, one of the things that we filmed a little bit of but didn't, didn't make the final cut, uh, I'm an ordained Christian minister. And it, it's really important for me to get that progressive Christian voice out there. Uh, so I don't, I don't normally wear, uh, I'm United Church of Christ, we don't normally wear collars, but when I'm out there in the public talking about this issue, I very often do wear a collar. Because I want people to see that I see this as a, my Christianity um, shows that God loves everybody and accepts everybody. And, and I believe that it's, that the Christian side of the story is protecting trans kids and, and protecting everybody. So I'm involved with these organizations, being out there as a minister, um, sharing my story as a minister and as a father to, to show why this is important to me. And I think you said you guys bumped into Charlotte out on the streets. Where, where you wanna tell us about that? Just killing it at life? So we were at, we were, okay, no, go, go. We were in Boston, and we were at a trans rally, and it was all done. Well, it was kind of all done. And then at the end, they had this place where like people could go up and say a few words or two. Then all of a sudden, Charlotte comes up, 
and like my whole family is just exploding. And we're like, wait, we have to go see, we have to go see, we have to go see. And I'm just like, wait, what's happening? And then we went and saw her. That's the story. I think that was even the weekend after the piece had aired. And I remember that Sunday, Rachel, you texted me a photo of Max and Charlotte together. And it was so cool that the, the timing was so fortuitous. And didn't you say, I wasn't there, but didn't you say uh, Charlotte, Charlotte had sort of seen Max out of the corner of her eye and they, she kind of kept looking back and then finally it clicked. Oh wait, now I know who this is. I know, I know who Max is. Um, Nicole, I know you've kept in touch with a lot of the families featured in the film. Uh, do you have any updates on you know, Stevie, Kai? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say everyone's doing really well. Um, Kai finished her year in kindergarten and um, definitely excelled in the classroom and her teachers and her classmates love her. But the school didn't budge on allowing her to use the girls' room. So every time she had to go to the bathroom, um, a teacher or an adult had to accompany her to like the nurse's private bathroom. And it did mean that sometimes Kai had accidents because when you're five and you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. And I think as humans, we can all relate that that's embarrassing, but for a child that age, that's like a pretty traumatic experience to have at school. Um, so it's, it, it definitely has a real life, real world impact on her day to day. Um, for Stevie, he started to see a lot of those changes that he was hoping for, being on testosterone, his voice getting lower, starting to grow facial hair, um, still kind of navigating the day-to-day -day of being a high school student, which I think we can all remember is really difficult in and of itself. And um, Charlotte has also really blossomed. Uh, she's moved out of the home. She has a job. She's still finishing up high school. I think um, I, Daniel Hollis, who is one of our, our camera operators who's here, who's, who's really incredible, we filmed with Charlotte, I think, between the first and last time, it was like a three-month difference, and we felt like even in that small window of time, she seemed so much happier and so much lighter, and um, they're all, and of course, Max is, has been doing pretty amazing the past year as well, so it's, uh, it's been great to keep up with everyone. Um, before we kick it out to uh, audience questions, uh, I just wanted to ask, I mean, what are, uh, for you guys and to everybody, uh, some initiatives that you think are going on in, in a positive way that people can get behind if they, you know, if people saw the film and, you know, they want to help support the right side of the ballot? Unfortunately, the bathroom fight is going on. Uh, I, I know you mentioned it was like 22 states or something, and it's still going on in, in lots of the states. So any anything you can back there, um, protecting trans kids is, is great. Uh, there's also, there are some great day camps and, and long-term sleepaway camps. Max has gone to uh, a camp called Camp Aranutic, and most of their uh, tuition is covered by um, donations, which really helps the families who are allowed to go, and it's, it's a, a camp just for trans and, and gender non-conforming kids, and uh, it's a fabulous place that a lot of the kids who are there, it's the only place they can go to be their true selves. So if you can even um, seek out camps like that, make donations and, and back them up, that's, that's a huge help. Uh, any questions from the audience? Awesome job. Um, but I was just curious, I'm not sure you can answer it. Typically the justification is um, because of predatory fears. So with someone so young as Kai, what's the justification for 
I mean, I, I assume she's not going to be a predator at five, you know. So, um, what's the justification for isolating her from using her natural bathroom? Does anyone know what the school boards typically say? I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I think, from their school board's point of view, I don't think anyone would say that Kai could possibly be a predator but they're looking at, I suppose, the K through 12 school, and it's just a policy that they want to keep for their students of all ages. But, I mean, I, I, I try to, as a journalist, be open to hearing all kinds of perspectives, all sides of the argument. I never heard anything from, that, from their school board that, that was a really sound argument, I have to say. The arguments that I've heard, um, you know, it's really a slipper, slippery slope kind of thing. If we, if we just open this door, then who knows who's going to come in, you know? And, and once we say that trans people are protected, then if, you know, the mythological guy in a dress walks into the ladies' room, store owners are going to be terrified to ever say we can't, you know, to, to approach that person and say you don't belong here. So that, that seems to be the biggest argument. And, and what the Attorney General of Massachusetts says is if someone's going to go in a bathroom and hurt someone, that's against the law no matter what they're wearing. So the rest of it doesn't matter. If you're going to go do something wrong, you're going to go do it. Um, sh we've been really lucky in Massachusetts. Um, she has you know, come out and said there has not been one case of this ever happening in the state. We have law enforcement in different towns that are backing it up. We have a lot of, um, what's the word? when things are rolling down a hill. We have lots of good people behind us, so we're lucky. Because when you think about it that way, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, if you're going to do something illegal, you're going to do something illegal. That's what's wrong, not whether or not you're wearing a dress when you do it. Uh, one part that I found uh, really uh, difficult to, to, <laughs> to swallow was the fact that uh, Kai's mother was ostracized by her family of um, Christians because, uh, because of the, her daughter. And I was wondering, as a minister, if you had a similar experience, uh, and if not, what do you think is the difference? Is it Massachusetts versus Texas? I'm a foreigner, so it's, it's really <laughs> difficult for me to understand that. So uh, I was wondering, what's the religious part of this type of discrimination, and uh, where does it come from? Um, I, I learned in seminary there are something like, what's it up to, 26,000 Christian denominations in the world. Uh, Christians have been dividing for 2,000 years, and there are, I, I hate to be sort of confrontational, but there are, there are people who call themselves Christians that I don't know how we're following the same book, how we're following the same person. Uh, there's so much that we, we disagree on. My view of Christianity is very different from, from the people in, in Kimberly's family, and, and fortunately it's a, it's a, a, a flavor of Christianity that I'm, I'm surrounded by, especially in, in a place like Massachusetts. For me, Christianity is all about love and acceptance, and, and Jesus surrounded himself with outcasts. He surrounded himself with people who were on the edges of society and defended them, and that's what I feel like I'm doing. Um, there's nothing about trans kids that I see as unnatural, there's, I, I understand a lot of religion and a lot of what we try and do is fit, fit everything into boxes and make sense of everything. And we thought we had it all down and now things have changed. Uh, 
but I see God at work in all of that. You know, I, I don't think that God put transgender people in the wrong body. I think that trans kids and trans people are exactly who God made them to be. And I think a lot of that is teaching us about the boxes that we put people into and teaching us about what gender means. So I have a question for Max. And well, that's I just, a first. <laughs> and um, I just want to know how your experience at school is and if you have, you know, what it's like for you at school and if you have a positive, supportive experience or, or what. I forgot what I was going to say. Say it anyway. Um, so how is school then? Oh, school is good. I have had a couple of people have teased me, but like not really about that. It was more of a problem in second grade, like the, like the, the first, <laughs> the first month or two. There was a lot of people like, like, saying to me like, "Are you a girl? You aren't. You're a girl, right?" And like, I kept on telling them, "No, I'm a boy." And they're like, "Okay," and they just walked away. And at that point, I didn't really have a lot of friends. Why am I getting too cold? I didn't really have a lot of friends to support me, so it was kind of hard. And actually, one time, my neighbor. I told her that, like, after I got my name, like, legally changed to Max O'Brien, I told my neighbor, I'm like, so my, my real name is Max O'Brien, and she says, no, and I'm like, yes, and she's like, no, and I'm like, yes, and she's like, okay, and she walks back into her house, and I'm like, but now she finally understands. So Max transitioned in the summer between, was it first and second grade? Um, so he left the school as one kid and came back as a different kid, but same school, same kids, same teachers. It's a pretty small school. There's only three or four classes in each grade. So that was rough. It, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been much worse. And for the most part, the kids were fine with it. The kids got it right away. It was the parents that didn't understand what was going on, um, but we were really lucky that, you know, we have stuff in place in the schools in Massachusetts where this is what you're gonna do, okay, well then we need to make sure we have accommodations for you. So that part was rough, but at this point, it's been pretty smooth. He does get to use the boys' room, which is great, because when he walks into a girls' room, it's not pretty. The little girls scream at him. <laughs> they really do, like they scream and they say, get out, get out, you're not supposed to be here. Okay, so like, you tell me what to do then. At the end of first grade, by that time, like the last couple of days I had cut my hair and like my sister had been giving me her, I don't know how to say this, her old clothes that I thought other people would think were boys clothes. So I was wearing them to school and I kept on asking this one boy like, does this look like a boy? And he kept on asking me, he kept on telling me like, no dude, you're not gonna be a boy. He's still in my school and I like still don't know him. He's, we're not friends or anything, but. There was also this, wait. <laughs> Can I just tell uh, one, more yeah, thing? one more thing? Okay, <laughs> there was this one guy in first, yes, first grade. And he teased me and he like, 
didn't accept that I transitioned at the time. Then he became my best friend in second grade. My grade, I actually had him over to my house like two times. And then we got in a fight again, and he started teasing me again, but not for the same reason, of course. We really found that um, the biggest problem in the beginning was that nobody really explained it to the kids. We were kind of like, let's just sort of sweep it under the rug. Oh, look, here's Max. Okay, everybody, this is just Max now. And the kids were like, well, wait, what, what are you talking about? Um, so the guidance counselor actually went around to all of the classes in his grade and uh, just said, okay, you know, what do you like to be called? What's your name? Do you have any nicknames? I said, okay, well, Max is Max now, and that's what we're going to call him. And all the kids were just like, oh, okay. Well, now that you explained it to us, we're fine with that. And the teasing, most of the teasing just seems to be kids teasing each other. You know, they, they have this thing that they can tease him with. Um, when he first went back to second grade, we had him, we did have him use the nurse's bathroom, and it was our choice. And it made him stick out like a sore thumb. I don't think it lasted a month, you know, like. Max is shot. I mean, it wasn't our choice. They made us do it. <laughs> Huge reveals. You know, just having to go and use a different bathroom and the nurse's room was like on a different floor and everybody was like, why are you down here? Um, it was what made him stick out. And then once, once we let him use the boys' room, it just became a non-issue. One teacher got really mad when I went to the bathroom for too long, and then I kept on getting worried when I went to the bathroom because I had to walk all the way downstairs. I had to find my way to the nurse's office. I had to go in. I had to go to the bathroom. I had to come out, wait a few seconds, and I had to go, and then I had to go back up again, and I was always afraid the teacher was going to, like, scream at me because I didn't even think she knew that I was going to the nurse's office. Yeah, the nurse's office. So I, th I always thought, like, when I was coming, like, I, I always, like, ran down the stairs and went to the nurse's office, and then I ran back. I didn't even wait a few seconds. I just ran back, and I was like, I'm back. But sometimes she wasn't even in the classroom, so that was good. Max out. On that note, uh, I'd like to thank you guys all for coming out. I want to thank you guys for coming down from Massachusetts, Nicole and Hendrick for making a wonderful piece. Max is going to be the star of our show next year, season six, so stay tuned. You're going to host every episode you're going with. Nicole has some crazy places she's going to go. There's this place called Afghanistan. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this New America NYC podcast. This recording carries a Creative Commons, non-commercial, 4.0 international license. To learn more about New America, please visit us at newamerica.org.